Hello. You are about to travel through the sixth dimension. In its fullness exists cinema entertainment that creates many forms, all while maintaining the same purpose, to tell and explore magnificent stories of the burden of existence. This is a dimension of imagination. Your hosts, Adam and Bailey, will do their best to guide you through vast perspectives in cinema that create new dimensions for all to admire. Welcome to AB Cinema. Hello, everyone. It is Friday, June 17th. My name is Adam. And I'm Bailey. And welcome to AB Cinema. Uh, Bailey and I today are going to be reacting and talking about the latest episodes of uh, the Disney Plus series, uh, Obi-Wan and Miss Marvel. And uh, before we get into that, though, we have a you know small little announcement that uh, the Wonder Man show was announced for Disney Plus. Bailey, what is going on here? Yeah, so this was kind of a surprise, but the Hollywood Reporter came out and said that, um, and said that this show was being this show wonder man was being um it has a director now and a writer and this is part of the deal that came with destin daniel cretton so one of the cool things that marvel has been doing with their directors is they've been creating these deals where they're not just making movies for them but they're also pitching tv shows and so destin daniel cretton who has directed Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings from Marvel. He also did The Glass Castle or The Glass House. I can't remember what it's called. Um, and then he also did Just Mercy. He is um, producing and probably directing a couple episodes of this Wonder Man show. And essentially this Wonder Man is a villain who becomes a hero. A lot of the people on the internet are the interneters are are saying that they they think that he's going to be the villain of the thunderbolts movie and that's going to be his introduction and eventually he'll become the hero that he is so that's kind of the theory about this so far but destin daniel cretton isn't the biggest part of this news do you want to share what the biggest part of, or another big part of this news is and uh, the other big news is that Andrew Guest, who uh, helped create Brooklyn Nine-Nine, is also on board. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. I mean, the, the thing is, uh, apparently he also did work on Hawkeye, which that part has me skeptical, a little bit skeptical. But I, I'm, ex I'm excited for this because Wonder Man's an odd character. He's a funny character from the comics. There's there's just a lot of potential for a comedic turn on this guy. And I don't know if you've seen what this guy looks like. Um, I did from the a small image search. He, uh, he's a big guy. And Alan Richson, uh, he, he is my fan cast for this, this guy. He's got a little bit of a cocky, charismatic personality. And I think Alan Richson deserves... He was already a superhero on DC's Titans, which the show absolutely sucks, but I watched it anyway. And um, I think he deserves a, a bigger role than uh, Hawk is the character he played in the show. So I think he deserves a mainstream a superhero role that will get him more recognition because the dude needs a bigger spotlight than just Reacher. 
Although he was phenomenal in that, and I'm sure their season two will be great. So uh, look it up, Wonder Man for Disney+. And uh, now we'll just jump in. We'll talk about these uh, episodes that have come out. And we'll start last week. We'll start where we didn't start last week. And we will talk first about Miss Marvel. Uh, Bailey, first off, what are your thoughts? What are your reactions to this episode of Miss Marvel? Like I said, this show is just charming and it continues to bring the charm. Um, it has very strong John Hughes vibes. That's what you were saying before we recorded this. And I agree with you. It, it brings a lot of elements of that with the the best friend who has the crush with Bruno having a crush on Kamala and, uh, and just having this, this fun dynamic, like it's weird that I I don't know. I'm so intrigued by this show and I'm excited to see what the rest of it brings, but I'm, I'm liking the balance between the superhero action and her life because I feel like we're getting to know the character a lot more before we get the action scenes and everything. And I like the action scenes in the MCU. And I wish we got better action scenes in shows like Moon Knight. And, but I also, because I don't know what my problem is with Moon Knight now, because that show just felt a little all over to me. Um, but this one, it's so charming with her diving into her religion and coping with the politics that come within that culture and having to deal with the scrutiny of it as as a woman in that culture a teenage girl in that culture and so it's interesting to see her character development and us getting to know kamala throughout this episode yeah and i just like like you get to understand these characters you know like for like, for, for example, in the first episode, as goofy and as fun loving as her dad is, you know, and it still shines through even in episode seven, you know, he's a good dad, you know, he cares about his children and even that he loves his wife, but also like when he gets hurt by Kamala, like it really hits him and you know, he, he's, he's played for laughs sometimes and that's fine because you know, everybody has a chance to be funny, but also like you just understand about her mom. And I guess my question now going forward is, is you know, what, what you did her, her mom's grandma do that made her that way? Because, you know, she seems so um, strict or uptight or something. And, you know, we find out this episode that something happened in her past. So I love all the layers that we're getting to these characters, you know, and even, you know, with characters like Kamala and Brian, like you understand everything about them. Like in, in this episode, when he meets with the counselor and he has the opportunity to go out of um, state, you know, he doesn't want to, he has a, he has a reason for it. It's just, I love, I just love that. Like, even though, yes, this is like a superhero show and it's all this, like we're focusing on the characters and what makes them interesting. And also just like their struggles, which is things that we, again, things that we've all dealt with, but yeah, I just think it's hilarious. And I think the whole, like, yeah, like you said, like that I mentioned earlier, just the whole like struggle of like the best friend actually likes her, but you know, she doesn't know he like it's just, it's just so funny and like just such a like a like a rom com thing. I just love it. I, I was just gonna say, you know how turning red was kind of like a blanket statement for puberty? Yeah. Like it's very relatable. Even like we're dudes, but it's still relatable. Like puberty is a, a very relatable thing. Everybody goes through it and I I think and the parents struggle too, like dealing with the parents that 
want to love and let you grow, but they have a hard time letting go of that child that they raised. Like, that's such a beautiful concept that I'll understand in like 10 years when when my daughter decides that she starts wanting to date boys or whatever. Hopefully it's <laughs> longer than 10 years from now. But um, what I'm getting at is I feel like this is Marvel's turning red. And I, I've, I love that movie so much. And I feel like we're going to be getting one of those scenes where it shows uh, Malin and her mom in that like sanctuary spirit world where they're deciding whether or not they're going to embrace the panda or leave the panda. And I feel like we're going to get something similar to that with Kamala and her mom in this, or both of her parents, because I, I imagine it would probably be more likely her mom because it's the mother's lineage. And, and so I'm just curious to see how they're going to present that and if they can capture the same feelings and emotions that that turning red did for for me at least i agree i just i think it's i think so far this series is i don't know like i'm trying to think because even i don't want to say that it, it's not talking about things that are as as heavy because even Nakia had a moment where she um you know kind of just talked something that i kind of related to you know she said you know i've either I'm either too white for some people or not Pakistani enough for others. And, you know, me, you know, being Latin or looking Hispanic, like I feel like I really identified with that. And I feel like, you know, not only is Kamala struggling with just who she is and what her parents want her to be, but also like, you know, she wants to, I, I don't know. It's the themes are like there and I'm so interested in the show and so interested to see how they attack them because they've brought them up. And I just, I just want to know where they go. We've talked about this before off the off the mic, <laughs> off pod, um, yeah, off pod. But it's definitely interesting because, like, I wasn't my my grandma. I never knew her, but she was from Uruguay, and so I didn't. I don't look like I come from that culture. She was pretty white for being somebody from South America, and my wife, she's half Mexican, and she doesn't she's she looks more white than she does mexican and so she's had that same struggle as well and she hasn't seen this episode yet so i'm excited to hear her thoughts on it but i can see how it would be very relatable for somebody who grows up with like two different cultures in their family and these this mixing melting pot of of ethnicity that we call life and i i can see how this story would be just so touching and how people could see themselves in a character that they wouldn't have seen 30 years ago. I agree. And um, so let's talk about some developments that happened in this episode. Uh, we're going to dive into some spoilers. I know we probably might have spoiled some things already, but uh, expect them now for sure. Uh, first off, Kamran, how'd you feel about his introduction, his character um, thus far? I mean, we don't know a whole lot about him. My, my biggest question, I guess, is do you think, he was a plant from his mom since the the inception or do you think he kind of just like was like oh i met this girl blah, blah blah and then all of a sudden it was real like yeah i know who you are yeah, that's a great question i i really don't know like poor kamala if he was just planned from the beginning and uh if he wasn't then i i could see it still like i want kamala and bruno to get together I, I, I'm a, I'm a fan of that kind of story 
the underdog gets the girl and all of that. It's, it's just a fun story, but, um, I, I'm pretty sure I'm not familiar with the comics. I, I know my, our library has the, the comics and so I'm going to go read them after, probably after this show is over because I'm reading some Star Wars stuff right now, but, um, I, I'm pretty sure he's a superhero in the comics. And so I think he'll be like a team up that she has. And I'm excited to see that dynamic as it goes forward. But I, I'm, I'm also wanting to see this without having any expectations of like, oh, this character is this person, this character is this person. So I'm intrigued to see what, what Marvel brings to it. I hope that he was kind of planned from the beginning because I think that's better character development. But I, I don't know. It, it could also be great character development the other way with him, like not realizing who she is and then brings it up to his mom. And then his mom is like, oh, this. And then he becomes conflicted and on whether or not to help her or. Yeah, it just it poses some interesting routes that they could take. Yeah, I the, the reason I'm thinking about it or the reason I'll say this as I've been thinking and listening to you. I think the reason he was a plant is because as soon as she's traversing everything with uh, saving that kid, he pulls up to save her. So I think he knew, like, okay, that is her. And his mom might have said, oh, you know, your great-grandmother did this. And she knows, and she's kind of been hovering, waiting for the chance to see if any of them have that ability. So, Yeah, it will be really interesting. And the other interesting part about her abilities is that we learned that the abilities didn't come from the bracelet, but that the bracelet awakened the ability in her or enhanced it, which... I'll be honest, I don't know how he figured that out. (laughs) Huh? I don't know how he figured that out, but... That was the whole training montage of that was... I I don't know, maybe Stark Tech is now public property now. (laughs) Their cameras are... Their technology is way more advanced than ours. Mm -hmm. Um... But the interesting thing about that is uh, it should shut up a lot of fanboys that were, have been crying and wiping their tears over her powers not being accurate. But the thing is, I'm like, I, I don't know. They don't have... I like the way that her powers look, what they changed with her powers, and I'm excited to see where they go with it. It didn't bother me that they changed them for this, and and I I think that they'll they'll still... I feel like that reference was a way for them to bring in the Inhumans plot, which for our listeners that aren't familiar with Inhumans, um, they're essentially kind of like a mix of they're they're different from mutants, where they have to have like this this giant crystal rock explode and it's there's this terrigen mist that comes and encapsulates them and they get powers after they come out of this like cocoon like thing it's it's an interesting story sounds, sounds really complex here bailey it is a little complex that was the best way i could describe it and i'm sorry if that was even more confusing <laughs> but if you just watch the first episode of the horrible abc show in humans you'll understand what i'm talking about maybe even the first 20 minutes but that's about as much as you need to see of that show and then just stop it because it's a twisted stupid horrible show that somehow got greenlit we're uh reviewing this episode of miss marvel and posthumously reviewing inhumans on abc yeah. <laughs> yeah and speaking of her powers i know i mentioned this a little bit already 
but I think I need to lower my standards. Something that I'm I'm realizing. Lower my standards for the CGI in um, Marvel shows. When she's using her powers, it's not as bad. But they do that whole training sequence, and then at the very end, you know, they have a little clip where she's like running and jumping on it. I was like, this looks straight out of a video game. I know that that's not real. But I think like, I think to some degree, I like the characters so much. First off, I think this is one of those Marvel shows where I'm realizing like, okay, this is probably the standard going forward. But also like, I like the characters so much and it wasn't that bad that it didn't really bother me. I noticed it, but then I was like, okay, like let's move on. The movie CGI is always good. I don't yeah. know what I don't know if it's just the companies that they, they except filter for Black out Widow, to, except for Black Widow. But that was during the pandemic. I'll yeah. I'll let that one pass. That's a, that's yeah. a good point. But and that may be the case with all of these Marvel shows too, because a lot of them have been completed for such a long time. Like Miss Marvel was supposed to come out last year, I believe, or. Yeah, I think it was supposed to come out last year, but it got delayed. And so, like, I feel like a lot of these shows were completed during the pandemic. And and they've been moving on. And so I, I feel like a lot of this, the CGI, whether it's spotty in some spots, um, I think the pandemic is really to blame for it. But we'll have to wait and see. I may be just blindly defending marvel for this <laughs> yeah um but yeah so it, and i think the only other thing is we we can theorize and we will theorize that it's her great grandmother that's appearing while you know in those visions um do you think her great grandmother is like an ominous figure or do you think she's just trying to communicate with her like in an avatar way <laughs> Like in Black Panther. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that is a great question. Um, I I would probably have to go more with like the ominous, like Black Panther, Avatar kind of way. Because one thing that the MCU has done a great job is that every religion is right. <laughs> and so um, it, it provides a safe space for religion. Um, and they've been bringing in religion a lot more with Moon Knight in the afterworld for Egyptian cultures and what they believe. And and then now with Miss Marvel and Black Panther, and then we're going to be getting it with Thor again, with the introduction of the Greek gods and a continuation of the Norse gods. And so it creates a safe space for, for all religions, which I think is really unique. It creates diversity in the MCU, which is what represents this world. And I think she's more, I would have to go more with the ominous avatar kind of thing, just because of where the MCU has been heading. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you think? I, I would, I, my initial thought is, is that she's just, you know, trying to talk with her, but I also do kind of maybe feel that like, I feel like the way it's been presented is that she's really appearing. I'm just trying to figure out, who the villain is and maybe we have yet to meet them but maybe you know this is like you know it just depends so i'll theor i'll go opposite of what you say i'll say i think she's there to just help her out well we now have 50 50 chance so <laughs> our podcast will be right either way as far as our theories go i'll, I'll swing the other way but uh i think that's it do you have any more thoughts on this episode of miss marvel 
Now, as far as the villain goes, I imagine we'll get a better idea of who they are in the third episode, because that's halfway through the series. And I feel like once we have that, like, the real consequences will start to come. And I, I'm curious because I feel like when Marvel, and the shows at least, introduces their villains, it becomes a little cheesy. Um, like with uh, Hawkeye, for example. Everybody was hyped about Kingpin coming back, but he was back in his Hawaiian shirt and there, and he got blown up, but still lived. And the, I don't know, WandaVision with Agatha, that was one of the better ones, but sometimes it can be really cheesy. Like Loki did a great job at balancing it, but I feel like that's where it's going to be like make or break for the show is are the villains going to be too campy, which... I could see it because of the demographic this show is aiming at. But we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. So um, that's our reaction review of Miss Marvel Episode 2. Let's move on to Episode 5 of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, Bailey, let's start with what you thought. I really enjoyed this episode a lot. It brought what I was hoping for a little bit. If I had it my way, I would have been like, Let's watch Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Ahsoka and the Clone Wars fighting droids and everything. But I'm happy with what we got in this episode. It it showed the the like full spoilers if you didn't notice this already, but like the balance between the symbolism between him and Anakin fighting in the Clone Wars era and and then also the fighting in the modern time or where we're seeing it in the in-between cool uh, f- phase of the Obi-Wan series. I, I thought that was really good symbolism as to what Obi-Wan was doing to Anakin and Darth Vader. So I really enjoyed it. It was one of the better episodes out of the bunch, in my opinion. I 100% agree. I think this is one of the better episodes I really liked the whole flashback thing. I texted a uh, a friend Dan. I texted Dan and I said, you know, I kind of wish they did this like Better Call Saul because usually an episode of Better Call Saul will have like the first 5 or 6 minutes will be like a flashback or, you know, something that happens and they like focus on that and then they jump into the rest of the episode. And so I kind of feel like this was like the Star Wars version of that where the the thing that happened in the past is, you know, this duel between Anakin and Obi-Wan, but they space it out through the episode to kind of make it more to kind of like closer or like, how do I say? Like, uh, more closely relate how the battle compares to their current situations. Um, but I feel like even if they just threw that at the front of the episode and then did the rest of the episode, that would have been just as good. But like, I like this episode. I like that we got to see Hayden Panettiere as um, Anakin. The de-aging was still kind of meh. But, Hayden um, Christensen. Yeah, especially. No, um, you said uh, Hayden Panettiere from like Heroes. Did I? That's yeah. hilarious. Well, uh, Hayden Christensen. Sorry. Um, you know what I meant, baby. But, um, <laughs> but yeah. And I like that, like, first off, Darth Vader was pretty dope. I feel like to some degree his force fighting was a little much when he was uh, battling Reva. But I mean, like when he destroyed that ship, that was pretty sick. Have you? Did you ever play Star Wars The Force Unleashed? I knew you were going to bring that up. 
as soon as you said did you ever <laughs> <laughs> that video game was bonkers with the force like the, i remember seeing the trailer for the i believe it was the first one when that destroyer is just floating in space and he drags it down i believe onto coruscant no longer canon but i loved that game and that trailer was just like holy crap this guy is insanely powerful and i want to be like him so i'm going to play the game and so i that was very reminiscent of that for me i don't know if it was for you no because i never played that game i know what trailer you're talking about but i just thought that was i just thought that was a good display of how strong darth vader was that's all that i thought in the moment yeah it shows that he's uh he's angry and uh willing to just kill for obi-wan and to kill to kill obi-wan and that was just a really this episode was so good and reva can we talk about Reva for a minute? I, I want to know what your thoughts are on her her arc and what we learned. Like it was pretty obvious from the beginning that she was a, a youngling at the time. But how how did you feel like this this revelation that we already kind of knew? Did you feel like it brought more layers to her character? Or Yeah. Cause I feel like <coughs> excuse me. I feel like I've struggled to understand why she's so the way that she is, you know? One-dimensional. Yeah, why she's just so rage, rageful. But I like, I liked her dialogues with Obi-Wan. Like, when her and Obi-Wan are talking through the door and when they're not. Like, you know, she she makes it very clear she's she's in it for Vader. She wants to kill Darth Vader. But... Like, she'll do it at any cost because what he did to her and how that impacted her life. And so, you know, Obi-Wan says, we can do this together. And and I really like her response. Like, I liked her idea of, I don't, I don't need your help. Like, I've gotten this far without you. And then she continues to say, you know, where were you when that happened? Like... These like and again, these are the things that I feel like they touch on. But even when Tala says to him, you know, like I did this for the Empire, I didn't know what it was, and you know, I can't change what I did, but I can fight every day to make it, you know, make it better. And so I feel like you know the weight or the thing that I feel like we still haven't directly addressed, or maybe that hasn't been stated, is that like. I think Obi-Wan feels like this this is all his fault. You know, he I think he feels like, you know, the rise of the Empire, the rise of Darth Vader, that's all on Obi-Wan. Whether or not it's directly stated, you know, or whatever, he feels this guilt because he trained Anakin, you know, he knows him and he didn't see it. And not only that, but he lost what he thought of as a brother in episode three, you know? Well, I think that it goes to show, like, first of all, my question is, I need to rewatch the third movie again now because I'm wondering if Obi-Wan knew that it was Palpatine that executed the order because I don't think he realized it. And so... I think he does. He he might. I, I don't remember... A sequence like that because if you remember revenge of the sith they were separated for almost the whole movie 
besides the very beginning. But I think he and Yoda, you're going to laugh at me. I've, I've been playing uh, Lego Star Wars. <laughs> Same. I have too. <laughs> I think Yoda knows this, um, and they sh- and him and Obi-Wan talk about it. There is no shame in playing Lego Star Wars. I've, I've been, I finished the storyline. I'm trying to muster up the courage to finish the sequel trilogy a second time to finish those because I just don't like those levels brings back bad memories but um i i don't know i i I can see that with the confrontation or the communication between yoda and obi-wan i i feel like if he knew that though that palpatine seduced him to the dark side um i feel like if he knew that then he would have understood that it wasn't his fault like yeah it goes back to the duel of the fates in the phantom menace like if anybody has ever had any question about the phantom menace and why it's one of the best star wars movies you need to watch dave filoni explaining the duel of the fates youtube it you will not be sorry that you saw it um because he beautifully describes what the duel of the fates is and how it's essentially darth maul deciding whether or not he's going to be brought up through Qui-Gon or Obi-Wan Kenobi. That's the duel of the fates. Like it could go either one way where he learns to balance the force because Qui-Gon was, he was very, um, he wasn't a fan of everything that the Jedi did. And he would have taught Anakin to balance the force, which means having a light side and a dark side it's a balance to the scales and so if if qui-gon had lived then he would have taught anakin in the ways of bringing balance rather than just the ways of the jedi and because he didn't live obi-wan the fate with obi-wan happened instead where obi-wan is very by the books this is the way the jedi are this is what we need and we will bring balance to the force by destroying the Sith. And so, watch Dave Filoni describe it. He's he, he worked with George Lucas on the Clone Wars TV show. And he describes it way more beautifully than I did. But it's it, it shows... I, I don't know where I'm getting at with this. But it just it shows the intricacy of of what obi-wan's character is going through at this time and the pains that he's feeling because he feels like a failure because if he had taught him the correct way then none of this would have happened and so in a sense i i understand exactly why he would feel the weight of order 66 and the fall of the jedi landing on him but it's i'm i'm ranting what are your thoughts so far um well, I like what you said, uh, but I also think like Obi-Wan does feel this responsibility and I want to know how I I imagine at some point we'll get a dialogue between he and um, Vader and I want to know how that comes out. I also want to know, you know, Darth Vader knows um, he has a child. I'm I'm worried about Owen now and rightfully so. I feel like, why would you hire Joel Edgerton and then have him in five minutes of an episode? Love me some Joel Edgerton. 
And um, I also like, you know, kind of the intensity of this episode. I feel like, you know, uh, with the mirroring of the training in the beginning and what was happening um, on that planet, you know, I like that Obi-Wan's realizing that he can help people, but also he's like, he has to realize that sacrifices are being made and he still has to do things, which is why I liked O'Shea Jackson's character as well, you know, really saying like, if you do that, it's all for nothing. Yeah. You know what I want? And it's it's going to sound so stupid. I just want to see Obi-Wan fight one of the Inquisitors with the swinging blade, like the Grand Inquisitor. <laughs> because I feel like that fight's going to be so brutal and intense. And I could see it just being up there with the, the Darth Maul fight and the Phantom Menace. Or the Revenge of the Sith fight between Anakin and Obi-Wan like the choreography that's that's what I'm here for the last episode like I want some of that emotional pull between Darth Vader and Obi-Wan but I want some good choreography and it will it will be really fun to see what kind of fight we get in the last episode because we know it's coming so here's another question do you think Reva is going to go after first off do you think Reva's going to live like she knows and I think the other thing that I was going to ask is Obi-Wan or Darth Vader also knows at some point that he has a child, right? Does he know that when he meets Luke or is that established that he's known that for a while? He obviously knew Padme was pregnant because that was, that was an obvious thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but then the, but then the emperor but, lied to him and said that they yeah. lost him in childbirth. Yeah. And so that it does bring an interesting point and, I feel like we're going to get more revelation to this because like it doesn't reveal how Darth Vader knows that Luke is his son. Does it in empire? It's been a while since I've seen it. So it makes sense that he would know that, but at the same time, like it, it goes to, it begs the question of like, why did, did Darth Vader have a soft spot in his heart for his son because that's his posterity? I I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see that. Cuz like if you look at the fight scenes in Empire and Revenge of the or Return of this Return of the Jedi, like Darth Vader like he wasn't as menacing as we've seen him in Rogue One or in Obi-Wan Kenobi. And he's not fighting as hard as we know him to be at this part of his life. And so that that just makes me wonder if like he's going easy on his son because he doesn't want to kill him. You know, I think I was I, I, in the Marvel comics, they published a Darth Vader. And at some point, Boba Fett sends or Darth Vader sends Boba Fett to find out who destroyed the Death Star. And Boa Fett comes back and says, his name is Skywalker. And in the comics, that's when Vader says, I have a son, you know? So that's when he knows. So it's after the destruction of the, of the, of the Death Star. And in uh, Return of the Jedi, Darth Vader finds out when he's talking to Luke, you, you, I, you have a sister. There's another. Yeah. So I think Reva might do her own information with this. And maybe her play is if she can't destroy Darth Vader one-on-one, -on -one, 
maybe she'll kill his son and bring him to him. You know, I think that's her plan, but I could be wrong. It's going to be an interesting episode. I'm I'm curious to see how long this next episode is going to be. Yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious as well because I want to know. I feel like we still have a lot to go through. Like Leia's got to get to bail. Uh, I imagine Obi-Wan and Darth Vader are going to have a fight. Probably on Tatooine. Uh, maybe. I don't know. But And I feel like Reva's going to go. I feel like Reva's going to go to Tatooine. To, um, but I also feel like. How do I say this? I also feel like I don't know. I don't know how Reva makes that out of there. I, I feel like I don't know why Vader wouldn't have just killed her already. That, that was what I was wondering. You know. Yeah, that was an interesting move. Were you that surprised by the Grand Inquisitor? No. I think mostly because I know he plays a part in Rebels. So You gotta watch Rebels. <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, man, I I thought it was gonna be I started watching it with one of my roommates my first semester at college and I honestly thought that the show was absolutely stupid. And then when the pandemic hit, I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot because it's all on Disney plus actually it was right before the pandemic hit. I, I believe. And it's like, it's all on Disney plus I'm going to try watching it. So I downloaded all of the episodes that were necessary viewing for the major storylines. And I wanted to learn more about the dark saber because it talks a lot about the dark saber in that show. And so I, I decided to watch it specifically for the Mandalorian. And after watching it, I, I thought this is, like this is peak star wars along with the clone wars because i ended up doing the same thing with the clone wars too and so like the storylines in those shows are actually really good like fans can bash on them all they want about them being cartoons but it's got some of the best storylines and best developments for these characters so i i think if i had it my way i would say that clone wars and rebels are necessary parts of the canon that people should watch, but there's a lot to watch too. I'm not, I'm not down for that homework. I'm not, I just am not, (laughs) but yeah. So I, do you have any more thoughts on this episode? No, I'm excited to watch it again because I watched it at like two in the morning or one in the morning and I, I was in and out of sleep. So I, this is why I fall asleep in shows and movies is because I stay up late Wednesday nights and the rest of the week I'm, I'm recuperating. (laughs) but um yeah so that's our reaction review to obi-wan episode five episode six the finale comes out next week miss marvel episode three comes out next week uh and then let us know what you guys think about these episodes about these shows what your theories are if you like them if you dislike them um that should do it for today's podcast though Please reach out to us. You can find us on you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Letterboxd, Facebook. We're either abcinema.pod, abcinema podcast, or abcinema. Our email is abcinema.pod at gmail.com. Uh, let us know how we're doing. Give us feedback. Please remember to like and subscribe. Share us with your friends. And uh, you know, we hope you guys have a great day. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. And as always, keep watching movies. <laughs>